a brand new episode of the Happy Productive Podcast is about to begin. It's time to be inspired by simple and actionable solutions for you and your business. If you're an established entrepreneur or just laying down the first brick of your future empire, the mantra is the same. We will flip any failure into a positive and use it to our advantage. This show is all about turning coal into diamonds. With the right plan and mindset, anything is possible. I'm Jennifer John, your host, business coach, and founder of Best Planner Ever. And I'm here to help you achieve all your ambitious goals. Success is closer than you think. Let's do this. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of Happy Productive. I'm really excited to introduce my guest, Miss Lee Shea McDonough. She is the founder of Coach with Clarity, where creative, innovative professionals discover how to combine their talents, expertise, and intuition, which we're going to talk about today, with a powerful coaching methodology so that they can create a flexible, meaningful business that serves their people and supports their family without selling their souls. And you guys know I'm all about like not selling your soul and your sanity so that you can have a business. Lee is also the host of Coach with Clarity podcast, and she's the author of the number one Amazon bestseller, Act on Your Business, Braving the Storms of Entrepreneurship, and creating success through meaning, mindset, and mindfulness. All wonderful things. Welcome, Lee. I'm so excited to have you here today. I am thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And would you mind just giving everybody, I love it when, you know, in your own words, just tell us a little bit about your history, how you came to be doing what you're doing today. So prior to starting Coach with Clarity, I was a psychotherapist for almost 15 years. I had spent much of my life either wanting to be a therapist, working towards being a therapist, finally becoming one. And I loved the work that I was able to do within the mental health arena. I think it is vitally important. And even though I'm no longer doing that work as a therapist, that's definitely something that I still stand strong in, that everyone deserves access to quality mental health care. What I found about seven or eight years ago, I was in the midst of a pretty major life transition. My husband was getting out of the Air Force. We were moving back to the United States after having been stationed in Germany for four years. My young children had essentially grown up overseas. So when we moved back to the States, it was a significant change for all of us. So I pressed pause on my career to help navigate that transition. And after about nine months, I noticed that I started getting the itch to want to return to some sort of professional endeavor. Mm -hmm. And when I got really quiet and listened to my inner voice, it was saying to me that mental health was no longer the area where I was meant to work, which felt terrifying because I had spent almost my entire life looking at my career through the lens of therapy and specifically mm -hmm. social work and public health. So if I were moving outside of that, what did that mean? And what did that mean about me? Who was I if I wasn't a therapist and now moving into this coaching world? And that really set me up for quite a bit of personal exploration, a lot of pitfalls and road bumps along the way. Uh, but I needed that. I needed that time to really dig into who I was separate from my work and then how I could allow my identity to inform my work. And that's really been at the heart of what I do as a coach and now also as someone 
who trains coaches through my programs mm-hmm. that are accredited by the International Coaching Federation. So we always start with identity and then we move out from there. Oh, I love this. And I really love that you took the time to get quiet, right? Because when you've got all these things going on and you're moving and you have children and, you know, all, all the stuff that we all have going on, but I love that you intentionally took some time to really get quiet and to really listen to where you were going to be called next. Yes. And and the other thing too was I wasn't real happy about what I was hearing when I got quiet <laughs> and listened. And, and I'm sure that a lot of us can relate to that, that tapping into our intuition and allowing it to have a seat at the decision-making table. I believe it's one of the greatest gifts that we have as human beings, our intuition. And we also have to be open to it because it may point us in directions that we didn't previously see. It may ask us to take leaps of faith that we feel a little scared about. That was certainly the case with me. And yet I also know that the times where I have not followed my intuition, maybe I've heard it, but I've made another choice. I usually find that that was not the best decision for me. And had I been brave enough to listen to my intuition in the first place, I probably could have saved myself a lot of heartache. Oh, I love this so much because I'm a big believer of bringing intuition into business. And I know that sometimes people are like, eh, I don't want to talk about the woo-woo, but it's just like, I guess you could call that a little bit of woo-woo. Not really, guys. It's just really our ability you know, to know, like our ability to know, just to know, even if we can't explain it, we just know. And so many of the world's top leaders, most successful business people, even if they're not talking about it, like they are using their intuition and they are tapping into that, that higher power, that higher place, that higher mind. And so I would love Lee for you to just share a little bit about, you know, when you're coaching, because coaching coaches, which I love to do. I love coaching my coaches because I know that they're going to go out in the world and they're going to coach so many other people. So it's just a beautiful way to pay it forward. And so when you're coaching your coaches, I'd love to hear like, what do you coach them on? Of like, you know, how do we use our intuition? How do we develop it? If you're listening to this and you're just like, oh, geez, what, Jen? Like my intuition, what? Like, how do you coach them to start, you know, really developing their intuition? I believe For me personally, my intuition is certainly connected to my spiritual beliefs, and I also believe that we don't have to look at it through that lens. And so if connecting intuition with spirituality isn't your jam, that's okay. We can actually take a somatic approach to intuition as well, because there's so much research out there that's looking at the brain-body connection that's suggesting that maybe we actually have another brain in our gut, and the connection between our gut and our mind... If we want to look at it from a scientific perspective, I think we could really find evidence for intuition there as well. And so that's why when I'm working with my own coaches about how to incorporate their intuition into their work, I start with a somatic focus. I ask them to really get connected to their physical self and to notice where their intuition shows up in their body. If there's a specific place in the body, they feel it, or if there's a certain sensation. This won't be the case for everyone. Some of my coaches are a little more cerebral and they describe their intuition as being a voice that speaks to them. Some of my coaches are a little more, I would say, emotion-centered. And so perhaps their intuition comes across like a feeling. 
But I would say the vast majority of people are able to tap into their intuition through some sort of body-based work. And so that's generally where I start with my people. And then I ask them to really pay attention to the sensory experience, because often our intuition will communicate to us through our senses, whether it's an image we see in our mind's eye, a phrase we might hear, a feeling we get in our body. And so really the first step is to explore how your intuition speaks to you, the ways that you tend to understand it most easily, and maybe some other ways that it's trying to speak to you as well that you can kind of open up and and explore. Mm, love this so much. I'm I'm such a big believer of the gut brain and the more research I've done. I mean, it's a very, very real thing, you guys. Like, where do you think the saying is, oh, I just have a gut feeling? Like, where do you think that comes from? <laughs> exactly. Um, and they're even saying, right, that the gut brain actually does a lot more than we realize that it, that it does for us and often can be driving the, the brain between our ears, but it's really starting in the gut. So I, I love that you're you're talking about this. So a person who says, hey, I want to tap more into my intuition, but let's say they've got a lot of mind chatter going on. That's what we'll call it. You know, the brain comes up with all these things and all these excuses and all these reasons and just all this junk that will go through our heads. And so how do you help people filter through this is intuition and this is mind junk chatter? Yes. Oh my goodness, I have yet to meet a coach or a business owner or really a human being who has not encountered that level of mind chatter. It's one of the reasons why I am so happy that mindset as a as a, a philosophy, as an approach, has really, you know, hit the forefront, I think, not just in business, but really in in, in society. And so this is where understanding what mindset is and how to work with it is so important. And the way that I look at mindset certainly includes other definitions. I think a lot of us, when we hear mindset, we immediately go towards the mind, which makes sense. And so it's a cognitive process. We're looking at the thoughts. But I take a a slightly broader view, and I really look at mindset as being how we relate to our internal experiences. So the things that we know are going on within us that maybe another person wouldn't unless we told them. So they're private, they're internal. It includes thoughts and cognitions, absolutely. It includes emotions and feelings and memories and sensations. And so how we respond to and relate to those, that is at the heart of mindset work. And so when I'm working with my coaches who are trying to figure out, is this my gut? Am I having a gut feeling here? Is this my mind telling me something? Again, we go somatic because I find that where we sense the intuition in the body is often different than where we sense those mind chatter messages that we get. For example, my my intuition speaks to me right in my solar plexus. Like I feel it deep in my core. Whereas those mindset chatter messages, I feel it much more in my upper chest, into my throat, and it feels more constrictive, whereas intuition feels more solid and rooted. And so for me, I'm able to kind of pay attention to the physical cues to help me differentiate, is this intuition? Is this mind? And to also remember that just because our mind is telling us something, number one, doesn't make it true. But number two, it doesn't mean that it's trying to hurt us or get in our way. Really, our mind is doing its job. It, 
at the end of the day is a safety monitor. It wants to keep us safe. It wants to keep us alive. And starting a business, running a business, being an entrepreneur, being a coach is not always the safest path. And so when we put ourselves out there, when we start to take strides in our business, there is some level of risk associated with that. And that's what turns the mind on to go, whoa, risk, unsafe, come back in. And so when we understand not just what the messages are, but why the messages are coming, then we can create a little space between the thought we are having and our own sense of self. And when we create space between the thought and the self, that's where we can embrace the power of choice. That's where we raise our awareness and we can decide, okay, is this a message that has some validity that I want to pay attention to and allow to factor into my decisions? Or is this a message that may be coming more from a safety place? And while I can appreciate that, maybe this isn't a time where I need to be safe. Maybe this is a time where I'm being invited to take a calculated risk in order to grow my business or live my passion or whatever that looks like. And so that's generally the process that I use with my coaches and what I teach in my programs as well around how we can approach mindset work specifically as to how it relates to intuition. Oh, so great. I love this. Love this. I could talk about this stuff all day. Love it so much. So let's take it a step further. So one of the things that I noticed when I was going through a lot of my healing work is that when I noticed that there was a pattern and you guys who are listening, you'll know this too, like there, there's a pattern that will repeat on certain areas of your life where you, if you've ever found yourself saying, why does this keep happening to me? Or why do I keep attracting, you know, the same person into my life? Or why do I keep living check to check? You know, whatever these patterns and stuff are. And one of the things I noticed is that when there was a time to make a choice that, and I always think of my intuition, it'll kind of light me up and it'll be like, Ooh, I just, I'll feel it. And it'll just be like, Ooh, it'll kind of light me up. And I just sort of know like, okay, that's what I need to go. And that's what I need to do. But when you have something in life that you're kind of like trying to break a pattern that's maybe been repeating is, is that I would notice that I would start getting lit up by the decision that was going to keep me stuck in the pattern because the pattern was my safety. It was my comfort zone. For example, like business owners, guys, like if you ever are, you live check to check, right? And you just never seem to have enough money. That actually becomes the comfort zone, even though it's not a comfortable place, it becomes that comfort zone. And so when I started to notice, like, wait a second, like I'm getting lit up by the thing that's actually going to keep me stuck. And it wasn't until I started to really look out further past that and then clear that and break that pattern that then I felt like my intuition was actually serving me a lot better. And so I'm sure you probably see this too. Like what happens when you work with your coaches that like their clients, you know, keep getting lit up by choices that actually keep them stuck in patterns, which are their comfort zones. But if we don't break those things down as coaches, like we never get them out of it. Like they they can never really take that step forward. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, Lee. Yes, I think this is such a juicy topic because this happens all the time, regardless of your niche, your approach. Like this is something that successful business owners have to understand how to navigate through because it if it hasn't happened to you yet, it will. And I actually find this is a place where we can draw on some of the work of Gay Hendricks, who wrote The Big Leap. Mm, In The Big Big Leap, Leap, yep, he talks a lot about upper limit problems. And I think what you're describing 
He would probably say that's an upper limit problem. We each have an upper limit for the amount of joy that we feel safe holding and expressing. And that limit he describes as being like a thermostat that gets set usually when we are children. At some point, we have a seminal life moment that tells us, up, oh, this is where your limit is and you can go no further or else something will happen. And there's all sorts of things that can happen. I know for me, the one that really I have to be on the lookout for is the quote unquote crime of outshining. It's what he talks about when your brilliance and stepping into who you are fully um, outshines others. And I remember being like eight years old and getting the lead in the school play and all of the other little girls in my class crying because they didn't get the part that I got. And the message that I internalized was, oh, it is not safe for me to succeed because when I succeed, it hurts other people. Therefore, I need to be really careful about how I present myself to the world, just how successful I am. Because if I hit a certain point, it's going to adversely affect other people. And I'm a good person and I don't want to do that. And so that message that I internalized when I was eight, certainly I can see the ways where it's popped up throughout my life. Even before I was a business owner, it definitely showed up uh, when I was a therapist as well. And so I think we have to do the work of excavating those internalized messages and seeing the links between how this belief has kept me stuck and why it feels safe and why I'm getting that dopamine hit by not exceeding that threshold of joy that I've set for myself. And then it comes to a question of willingness. What am I willing to have? in order to get what I want? And am I willing to have the discomfort and even the anxiety that comes from stretching myself outside that threshold of trying something new, of foregoing that dopamine hit in order to expand and grow and really step into my fullest potential? Can I hold on to that discomfort knowing it's part of the process and it's going to help me get closer to my ultimate goal? So that's a lot of the work that I love to do with with my coaches and my students because I just think it's foundational to understanding why you've had the success you've had to date, what might be holding you back from the next level, and then how we can work together to break through. I love this stuff so much. Um, David Goggins uh, talks about the governor, like putting a governor on your car yes, and you got to take the yes. governor off. I just recently listened to, or no, I was think I was reading Ed Milet's new book, one more. And he talks about the thermostat, right? Like you have a room where the thermostat is set and you just, even if you start to see more success, you will make choices that will like bring it down to whatever that thermostat is set at. And I love Gay Hendricks too, The Big Leap, great book, those upper limits. It, that it really and truly what it is, part of what this is, is kind of like shedding off these old belief systems and taking these, um, you know, restrictions off of ourselves so that we can go out and we can be as successful as we want to be. Thank you for sharing that story about how you inter internalize that because it really often does go back to our childhoods. Very similar thing happened with me where my grandparents would always say, you know, Jennifer, you're so special. I was the first grandchild and they were just like, you're so special and you're going to be so successful. And that actually had a opposite, the, the flip effect in that then I was just like, well, now I have to be special. I have to be successful. 
And I would just drive myself in these earlier years of business to be successful because the, the idea of letting my grandparents down, who were really my parent figures, because my, my parents were not such great people. Um, le- the idea of letting them down was just like, no, I will, I will drive myself into the ground before I will ever allow myself to let them down. So we do, we internalize these things and they can make us, you know, bring that thermostat down or the flip side, drive us to these levels that aren't really good or healthy. Um, and then if we didn't see the success that we, we feel like, oh, these people are expecting of me, then it just, you feel like a huge failure and it just, uh, it's not a pretty, it's not a pretty situation. So if you're listening to this, I really would encourage you to do some of this work with a coach or with a therapist, you know, go back to the beginning. And if you can start to identify where you've internalized these messages, it really does go to your core belief system. And unless you start looking at that and and changing it or telling a new story, it's going to be very, very difficult to break out of some of the patterns that you might see repeating in your life that you're not happy with. I would agree 100%. And I want to stress just how helpful it can be to have a partner in the process of excavating those old beliefs and examining them. Whether you choose a therapist or a coach will likely be a result of how distressing these beliefs are to you. And if you're noticing that it's uncovering a lot of unhealed trauma, if there are really big emotions that you're trying to navigate through that feel unsafe, that might be a sign that a therapist at this point might be a better partner for you in that journey. Um, whereas if you're noticing, okay, yeah, this is a belief I've held on to a long time. It's uncomfortable, but I'm I'm ready to do the work. And so there's no clinical impairment. There's no high level of distress. Then this might be a sign that coaching is absolutely the right path for you. And certainly I work with clients as a coach who also are seeing a therapist for, for their work. And so the two can work in tandem with each other. And I think often when they do, that's when our clients really see just like catalyzed growth really quickly. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for sharing that because it can be hard to know like, well, who should I really be working with? And when you work with a therapist, um, and they're both wonderful. I've worked with therapists. I've worked with coaches. I love them both. When you work with a therapist, generally they are licensed within a certain state um, within you know where you're living. And so they cannot practice outside of state lines. And so the nice thing about a coach is they're not limited to a certain territory. And so you can work with a coach that's in a different state. If you guys didn't already know this, so there are some boundaries on therapists that are not always on coaches. But on the on the flip side, you know, sometimes when you work, you're working with a coach, a lot of coaches are about getting results for their clients. And it's about taking action. And we want to really see change here. But if you're dealing with some of that really deeper trauma, or just, you know, deeper belief systems, those kinds of things, often you might have to, you know, go work with the therapist so that you can work on that deeper stuff. So that way, when you get into the coaching relationship, you're able to, you know, make that progress and and take the actions and things like that. So it's a real, it's really good to kind of know that they're both great and how you can use either of them to your benefit to, to do the work that you need to do. Yeah. The analogy I often use is if you think about a relay race, you know, the therapist is the one who's probably starting the race. They're holding the baton. They're doing that initial work. And then there's a period in the race where you pass the baton. And that might be the point at which it's appropriate to pass the baton onto a coach. 
And in those relay races, there is a brief period of time where both runners are running at the same time during the handoff. And I think that speaks to the fact that sometimes there will be overlap in terms of what can be addressed by a therapist and what can be addressed by a coach. And so it can be a little gray, a little murky. And honestly, a lot of the coaches that I work with, many of them were therapists in the past too. And so they're trying to navigate how do I show up as a coach versus showing up as a therapist? And and what does that look like? And often what we find is that many of the strategies and tools and approaches we use are shared. So they can be used mm-hmm. in a clinical setting by therapists. They can be used in a coaching setting by coaches. What we're really looking at is the desired outcome. What are we working towards? Why are we using this tool? How are we applying it? And that can often help us differentiate between is this a therapeutic issue or is this suited for coaching? Yeah, absolutely. And for those of you who right now are like, oh, yeah, I've been with my therapist for 10 years and I still need them. (laughs) I want to speak to this for a second because, Lee, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, you know, the clients or patients who get the best results. How do they come into that relationship? And one of the things that I have seen in my experience is that Yes, you want to choose a coach slash therapist that you have a good rapport with, that you feel safe with. But sometimes if it if it borders too much on like a friendly, you know, a friendship, it's easier to kind of let the person off the hook for not doing the work that they need to do. And so I want my therapist or my coach to be kind. I want it to be a safe space. But I also really want them to tell me, tell me what I need to hear. Like, give it to me straight. Like, what do I need to deal with? What do I really need to hear? I have friends. I'm not hiring them to be a friend. They, I want them friendly, but I'm not hiring them to be a friend. And even if you're if you're working with somebody who is shaming you or you're crying all the time or you know you don't feel like it's a good safe space, I always like to tell people like that's not how it's supposed to be. <laughs> even if they say hard things, it should still feel like a very safe space and a positive um, place for you to do the hard work that you need to do. But you've got to set your intention to heal. I see this sometimes even in the in the clients that I'll work with is like, if they just want a friend and they just want to talk it out, but they haven't actually set their intention that, hey, I want to heal this stuff, they're not going to make the progress that, you know, they say they want to make. And so how, what would, you, what would your advice be to somebody who maybe has either been in therapy for a really long time and doesn't feel like they're making any progress? Like, what would your advice be to that person? And then secondly, like, what would you share as far as like, if you're looking to start one of these relationships, you know, how should you go into it? I think the key piece of what you just said was, and you feel like you're not making progress because you can certainly be in a long-term therapeutic relationship where you feel like you are continually making progress and growth. So if that's working for you, great. But if you are in a therapeutic relationship, really in any relationship, where you're feeling like we're just rehashing the same old stuff and I'm not seeing any change and I'm still dealing with all of this, well, then number one, I would want to ask, well, what would the ideal outcome be for you? What, what does progress look like? How would you know that you had made progress? And then share that with your therapist. Your therapist is there because they want to support you. They want you to grow and they want to make sure that if you've got goals, you're working towards them. So it may be time just to have kind of a recentering conversation with your therapist around why you are coming to therapy, what you are hoping to get out of it, and how you'll know if you get to that point. And based on that conversation, that may be enough to kind of reframe the therapeutic relationship and so you're back on track. 
or it may give you some information that might suggest, I'm not sure this relationship is continuing to serve me in the way I need. And perhaps it's time to look for another therapist or another supportive partner. But having that conversation and being really clear around, yeah, what does progress look like? And how will I know if I'm making progress? That's, that's critically important. I love that so much. And guys, you have to be willing to do the work. Like you can have the best coach, you can have the best therapist, but if you're looking to them to do your work, it isn't going to happen. It's just not going to happen. You have to go into this relationship really wanting to heal, wanting to do the work that you need to do on you to get the result because they can, it's so funny. I'll have clients that, you know, I'll suggest, Hey, here's what I would suggest that you do. And they don't do it. And then, well, here's what I suggest you do three months later and they don't do it. And it's okay. It's so fine. You know, and six months later they come back and they're like, yeah, I did this. And they're Jennifer, I know you told me, but sometimes you're just not ready to do what you need to do. And they do it and it works. And they're like, great, wonderful. I'm like, awesome. I'm patient. I'll wait until you can do it. But like, if you don't go into that relationship, like willing to hear what the coach or the therapist has to say and willing to look at these things and willing to do the work, you're, you're just not going to get the result. Yeah. You know, the beautiful thing about a, a coaching relationship is that it is co-creative. It, it takes both people coming together to create this type of synergy where all of a sudden you as the client you feel like you're able to accomplish more than you would be able to on your own. And yet you are the one doing that work and creating those accomplishments. Uh, Ideally, your coach is there to serve as your guide, to maybe expedite the process, hopefully make it a lot more fun. But ultimately, you're right. the, the, The work is your responsibility. And so... The timing, of course, oftentimes, you know, we've got to factor in, all right, how how much inner work do we need to do so that then we can make that manifest in our outer work? And so a good coach understands how to kind of go back and forth. It's a bit of a dance between the internal mindset work and then the external action. But don't get me wrong. I love when in a coaching session, we have an aha moment. We have an epiphany. We've got some grand insight. And it's like, oh my gosh, I'm seeing the world in a completely different way. Those moments light me up. And I know that if we have those moments solely for the sake of having those moments, what's the point? Like we need to make sure we are translating that insight into action so that we are creating change in our behaviors. We're doing the work and that's where we're going to see the success. So we have to understand how to convert that insight into action. And to me, that's really at the heart of powerful coaching. I agree completely. Lee, this is wonderful. Okay. So I'm going to ask you really quickly, is there anything, any final thoughts that you want to add, especially if there's anybody who is, you know, looking to work with a coach, work with a therapist, any final thoughts? And then I'm going to have you share where people can find you, especially you guys, if you are a coach looking to start your practice, if you are a creative looking to start your, to step into coaching, just share where people can find you, Miss Lee. Yes. So I would say if you are exploring a partnership with a coach or with another helping professional like a therapist, the important thing to remember is that at the center of that experience is the relationship. And so it is critically important that you feel that you are partnering with someone where there's mutual trust, mutual respect, you feel safe voicing your thoughts and opinions, even if or or especially if they differ from your coach or therapists, because we want to have open communication. And if there's anything suggesting to you that 
Relationship-wise, this might not be the best fit. Pay attention to that, you know, and, and explore it. See what that's about. It may indicate, you know what, this resistance I'm feeling is exactly the sign that I need to work with this person. Or maybe it's, ooh, nope, this is a red flag. I need to look for someone who's a better fit. Um, so we'll just kind of explore that a bit. But really making sure that whoever you work with centers the relationship and centers your agenda and your desired outcome because that's what's paramount in the coaching relationship. That is certainly at the cornerstone of the work that I do and the training that I provide at Coach With Clarity. And you can learn more about me and about my work at coachwithclarity.com. That's also where you can learn about the podcast and about my book. And of course, I'm at Coach With Clarity pretty much everywhere, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. So you can find me there as well. Oh, wonderful. Lee, thank you so much for being here today. I know that we've helped some people who are listening to this show and they're just like, ah, you know, where do I go? How do I break some of these patterns? Do I work with a coach? Do I work with a therapist? Maybe I need to work with both. So I really know that hopefully we've helped some people when they listen to this episode. So thank you so much, you guys, um, Lee, for being here with me today. Remember, it was coachwithclarity.com. And if you'd like more information about our services, you can always visit jenniferdawncoaching.com. And you guys, you know, please take a quick little moment, maybe uh, give us a little review. If you love what you heard today, if it was helpful, share the show with somebody else. That's how we we, uh, we grow and we, we share it with more and more people to help as many as we can. All right. So that's it, Lee. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Thanks so much for having me. I hope you found today's episode of the Happy Productive Podcast inspiring. Every successful business is formed by a set of small, consistent, and attainable steps. If you want to learn more, come visit us at jenniferdawncoaching.com to take your next step and learn how to meet your business goals. On our website, you're going to find free resources along with links to the life-changing coaching programs that have transformed the lives of so many of our clients, including the Coaching Academy and our Unbreakable Retreats. Many of them started their journey by listening to this podcast. That's it. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for our next episode. This is the She Leads Podcast Network.